Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome into Pick and Pod. My name is Julia Moss. I'm joined in here by Chris Persiana and Will Grant. And it has, to say the very least, it has been a week for NBA. We're going to get into all of it today. But before we do that, Chris, Will, how are you guys doing? I'm doing good. It's been uh, it's been a long week, a long couple of weeks. Um, can't imagine for you guys on the net side, you know what, what's going on over there. I um, have seen a bit of the mess, but not all of the mess. Uh, also, on the Knicks side of things, which pretty much just determines my day to day mood. Um, and, you know, yeah. For myself, I mean, you know, this week is uh, it's pretty good coming out of midterms, but you know. Two and six for the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, come on. They're playing some good competition. Got to see Luka the other night. Got to see DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine absolutely torch the Nets. But nonetheless, I'd like to see some W's come up. But we'll see how it goes on this road skid. I mean, they got Washington on Friday. And uh, I think that that easy win, per se, should uh, lighten my mood a little bit. Julia, how are you? I'm great. I mean, like you said, being a Nets reporter right now is is chaotic to say the least, especially after today. We're going to get into all of that um, in just a minute. But as you can see, there are three beat reporters here right now, and, and these three beat reporters were not reporters last season. So I want to take this time to ask you guys, Chris, we'll start with you, how your experience so far, especially with you, Chris, because you just did your first game yesterday. What, would that, what was that experience like for you? It was pretty crazy. Um, listen, I, I showed up early and wanted to get shoot around videos, whatever. And I was definitely like overwhelmed, um, just about like how much was about to go on, you know, like I've been to a lot of Nick games. I've been to a lot of NBA games, so I know, you know, it's coming, but I just was like, well, I got to really lock into all of this, everything. Um, I started by getting stuck in line for an elevator that was just never going to come and funnily enough, also stuck in line for that elevator was one Walt Clyde Frazier who was here at Fordham the night before. Um, and I, I asked him, I was like, could we take the stairs? I was like, you think we could take the stairs? Like, this is taking forever. And he like kind of laughed at me, you know, he like, you know, he like, he acknowledged me. He was like, huh, yeah, 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 maybe. But like, he, he, he laughed it off. Like, take the stairs. What, what a moment. I, what am I talking about? And then after a couple of minutes went by, the elevator wasn't showing up. And he was like, you know what? Those stairs don't sound too bad. And he started going towards the stairs. Of course, Clyde goes, everyone follows. There's like an entourage of like six, eight people, myself included, just all trying to get upstairs because I don't, I don't even know where I'm going. Um, and he stops like on a couple of steps in, he completely stops. And he wasn't talking to anyone, just, you know, anyone that would listen kind of thing. Just, you know, Clyde making one of his statements. You know, he's a very, he's a man of very uh, great gestures. Um, and he was like the greatest Nick of all time. And they have me taking the steps. <laughs> and then he just walked up. Everyone was dying laughing. Like, that totally, like, shook me back into reality. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is a, this is a Knicks game. Clyde's here. Got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it was really cool to see a couple of, 
my buddies on the beat uh, who helped show me around so I didn't get lost. Um, MSG's back tunnels are complicated, but you know, uh, you know, uh, Ian Begley, Fred Katz, a couple of awesome guys, um, helped me find my way around. So it night went well, even though the Knicks totally blew it. It was, it was a great experience. And it was also a cool experience to ask Tibbs and RJ questions post game, because it was really cool to see how the kind of the media room works. I thought they'd be passing around a mic and I'd, people would be like, Hey, you know, uh, Ian Begley, SNY. Uh, Tom, I was wondering what you thought about the transition defense tonight, and it's completely the opposite. As soon as uh, you know the butt touches the seat, the first question gets fired off, and coach answers, and then next question just goes. No one announces themselves. It's just boom, question, answer, question, and you got to jump in. And so I got jumped like six times by veterans that like know exactly what syllable of that Tibbs is on to get their question in. Um, I finally got my question, and then with RJ. I got a, a question in, and uh, it was just a cool experience to actually be there, feel like the tension in the media room, like everyone jumping like piranhas to try to get their question off. It was awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, it. that's what we're here for, to get that experience, and I think, you know, that's incredible. And Will, you've had a busy, busy week on the Nets beat, and this is your first season doing it as well. I want to know what it's like. I mean, you've not only jumped right into it, but you've jumped into probably one of the most chaotic situations we've seen in the NBA in quite some time. How has that been? I mean, you know, jumping into a sea of piranhas is never easy, but first off, I believe that I am a bad luck charm. Every single game that I've been to, I've been to three this season, we've lost. And we've also had commanding leads throughout those games. One of the Mavericks, Pacer Saturday night, and then the Bulls on Tuesday. So I... um. I don't know if I should keep going, but, you know, I, I think I'm doing a pretty jo pretty good job reporting. But what I'm going to say is that going to the game as a reporter compared to a spectator is far different. Uh, you know, having to keep tabs on everybody's scores, live tweeting the game, it's very different than, you know, enjoy enjoying the, the experience as a fan. But nonetheless, jumping into that piranha pit that I described about before, it was unbelievable. I wake up on, I believe it was Monday morning. And news comes in that Steve Nash is, you know, fired. And I look at my phone. I go, what's going on? I get a text from you. Nash is out. I go, what, what, is it? what does that even mean? And then I check my phone and it's crazy. And then Ime Adoko an hour later. I mean, it's you don't know what's going on. But going into there, I've never felt like I was more a part of national news in my entire life than then. And I might never get that experience ever again on my third day on the job. So... What's going on with the Nets right now might severely impact them negatively. But for myself, I think this is a great learning curve because being in the middle of that stuff and being able to ask questions to GM Sean Marks and uh, interim coach Jock Vaughn was an unbelievable experience. And I think that it's only going to get better and help myself in that role to not be you know, standoffish, to understand that I'm in this with every other reporter there. I went in the other day, it was 15 reporters for the, for the Pacers game, probably around 70 for the, uh, for the Bulls game. So this experience has been unbelievable. It's going to be a roller coaster ride the entire season, but I did not think that it would get off this hot at this start. It's unbelievable, Julia. And Julia, you're asking us how it's going. How, how is it like for you? It's been I mean, kind of to echo what you've been saying, it's been crazy because for me, I think the biggest thing is like the, the pre and post game press conferences, being there in that room, seeing that and then like watching something like Sports Center that night. And you're seeing exactly what you saw in person 
be on the screen and and you know that you have the ability to ask those questions that get into that position as well and I think that's a it's kind of a big responsibility but also an amazing opportunity and I've had a great time I mean as an avid fan of basketball in general just being able to watch these games report on them like it's not in any way shape or form a job it doesn't feel like a job it feels like an opportunity and and it's been amazing but I'm glad we've all had really awesome experiences so far the season is so young so I know we're just going to expand on that so much as the season progresses but we are going to get started with the Brooklyn Nets and gosh it has been an insane week for them I mean to start it off Steve Nash was fired started off the season two and five again only seven games in he he finished his tenure with the Nets as a 94 and 67 record as a head coach I mean before I give my opinions I want to ask you guys what is your overall first thoughts you see so Maddie Bamonte, our producer for this pick and pot, has actually just told me that Kyrie Irving has been suspended, which, I mean, that's just the cherry on top for, for this pick and pot. I mean, we were about to really get into what's been a tumultuous week, and it's only gotten crazier. Um, as as things come out in the news, I'd love to know how long that suspension is, things of that nature, but we're going to get to that in just a second. Let's Let's continue on with... The Steve Nash firing, like I said, 94 and 67 as a head coach. Guys, what are your initial thoughts on Steve Nash being fired? First and foremost, I think that Steve Nash was brought in this year and was kind of tailed along to, um, you know, act as the head coach. But at the end of it, at the end of the day, as long as he's been in there, it's it, he hasn't really been much of a head coach. I mean, Kyrie comes in immediately saying. You know, he's he's definitely not going to be the head coach. Me and KD are going to, you know, kind of work the entire system. And um, it's it's just uh, it was a matter of time. And I think uh, Steven, Steve Kerr said it best, Golden State Warriors head coach, won four championships in the past few years. He said nobody, not even myself, Doc Rivers, could ever take that job and, you know, do something great with it. Because it's so difficult with that cast of characters. I like to refer to the Barclays Center as the land of misfit toys. And, um, you know, this, uh, this, this news comes very, uh, very wild, just as wild as the news we were just <laughs> told about a minute ago. This is unbelievable. I'm yeah, shocked. Just came through that it's going to be at least five games without pay. Um, the Nets acknowledge that he's publicized a film containing deeply disturbing anti-Semitic hate is the quote. Uh, they said they were dismayed when given an opportunity uh, that Kyrie refused to unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs. And if you listen to what Kyrie said, and this is not me like getting in on any theories here, this is literally just what he said. So yeah. I'm just, you know, I listened to the video several times, several different, you know, reporters, different angles, whatever. I had. I really heard him out, and it was just a, a load of crap. It was, he basically said it's not possible for him to be anti-Semitic. And that the reason for that is because the people that everyone else considers Jewish people aren't actually Jewish people. So since he's a real Jewish person, how could he offend Jewish people if he's... And it was just like, they were like, are you not anti-Semitic? And he was like, well, you know, there's a lot to look at. <laughs> I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, what, uh, he wouldn't say... Uh, he wouldn't give an answer. He wouldn't acknowledge specific hateful material in the film. Uh, he said, I don't agree with everything in the in the film. And people asked him, do you agree with this? Do you agree with this? He goes, yeah, well, you know, you guys have asked me five times. I don't agree with all of it. And they're like, well, do you agree with this? He's like, oh, you've asked me six times. I don't know. Totally deflecting, totally dodging any accountability. 
um, Brooklyn literally left with no choice because so, they, what else are they going to do? Right. So I think uh, another thing, again, like we are just getting these press releases as we're going through the show. Uh, an important wording thing that, that I think should be pointed out is that in the press release, it is no less than five games. So it could be five games, but the five games is the minimum. And I hope we're just going to go. We're just going to get right into the Kyrie Irving situation now that it's so prevalent. I think five games is not enough. Um the wording in this press release really shows that the NBA has done their best to work with Kyrie Irving. And not only is he being combative in the public, it appears as he's being combative in private talks with the NBA as well. And it's, it's just so confusing to me why Kyrie Irving finds it so difficult just to say, no, I am not anti-Semitic. I do not have any disdain towards Jewish people. I condemn anti-Semitism. For some reason, to Kyrie Irving, that is just so difficult for him to get across and just say that. He will dodge that phrase at all costs. And he knows. He knows that's what people are looking for him to say. And it's not like they're trying to trap him anything. They're trying to get him an out to move on from the situation. And he just keeps kind of putting himself back into it. And five games, I mean, I'm glad the NBA is taking action. But is five games enough? I don't know. I hope. I hope this is a baseline and then it gets extended do you guys think that Kyrie Irving plays another game in the NBA again yeah I mean yeah I think he does because as far as two years back I've been telling people that Kyrie has reached a tipping point with his relationship with basketball it's bigger than basketball to him now as he's made clear but that he seems to be very eager to always find himself on the other side of things whatever other is whatever the majority believes he's on the, he just happens to be on the i'm not saying this is intentional but it more often than not he finds himself in a situation where the, the, he can paint it as like Kyrie versus the world and uh when he's not saying it's flat so basically if he is in a situation where he can murder his basketball career because i think he's done anyway if you watch how he's played this season he, he's out there he He's scoring a lot. He's scoring a lot. He hasn't made a single three-pointer, I think, or maybe that's, that's just he he he's, he made two in the last game. Did he finally have a game <laughs> he's where he's averaging made one? twenty-seven a game? There's no way there's not. Did he threes. have a Did he have a game where he made threes finally? Yes, of course. I'll pull yeah. it up. But I uh, the, the game I was at uh, against the Pacers, I believe he yeah had Pacers two plus. he pers- no Pacers he hit five. O of six five. against the Bulls. O of seven against the Bucks. O okay. of six against yeah, the Pelicans. Yeah. Two of six against the Grizzlies. Two of six isn't bad. Five of fourteen from three against the Mavericks. Right, this this right. guy that's, is that's, letting them fly. Yeah. Uh, basically, you ask me, I think he's down to be done. And so, uh, if you told me right now, hey, Chris. Um, if you gave me a bag of chips, if he does play basketball, but I'll get you dinner at Enzo's if he retires, would you do that? Like I take that deal. Like I think he, I think he's done, yeah. or, or we'll find a way to be done. I mean, I wouldn't be the most like I wouldn't. My mouth would not be on the floor for that. Um, you make a really good point about him always just trying to be. Well, not maybe not trying to be, but he always does find himself on the other side of things that are considered um, more socially accepted and in this case um probably for the 100 percent for the right reason but i mean if i'm the nets this is a good question i want to hear what you guys have to say about this if, if i'm the nets and and it turns out that Kyrie is done with basketball no more i'm done how would you react as a nets because i don't know if i'm all that upset i think first and foremost there's 
this guy that's named Cam Thomas on the Nets, and I think that he, the fact that he hasn't really played any minutes and, if anything, garbage minutes mm-hmm. is completely disrespect on his name. I think that this guy should be actually in the rotation and that eight spot at least. And he showed he showed glimpses last season of what of, do you what do you think about a player that's not in the rotation posting free CT all over the internet and like publicly requesting a trade? <laughs> Who said that? Cam Thomas. He has free C- hashtag free CT <laughs> in his bio right now. That's fair. Bench players talking like starters. I hate it type stuff. Well, if you don't get to play and you you put up good numbers last year, I think that you sh- you you at least. Have I think a, he's have good enough to play. play. I think he's good enough to play. Then why isn't he being played? Because Brooklyn is a clown show. Well, then that's kind of explains that entire. Well, what what would he do for them? We we don't know. We well, if you test him out a little bit, it'll be easier to see. Let me let me ask Julia something here. Yeah, Julia, before the season started, you, Colin, and I were here on Pick and Pot, mm-hmm. and I asked a couple of questions regarding the Nets of Brooklyn, um, including but not limited to, who is going to guard the first action from the other team on offense? So I'm not talking about you know like the point guard brings the ball up and you know the first pick and roll the first action who's guarding that because it's not Kyrie it's not Patty Mills it's not whoever right does Cam Thomas solve that issue no well, who's rebounding the ball for the Brooklyn that, Nets though. I think Cam Thomas isn't a good defender okay but here's he's an abysmal defender my actually. my opinion on that situation is he's a great scorer is... an abysmal defender he's young he has time go ahead Julia but um i think that the question you pose isn't exactly a dig at players. I think it it's deeper than that. I think you have to look at it's the coaching. It's a dig at the Nets front office for assembling exactly. a team that's well. But also at the end of the day, they're professional athletes. At, at they have the ability, especially young players like Cam Thomas. If the coaching staff is up to par, your whole team shouldn't be bad at defense. And I, at the end of the day, Cam Thomas is he's had a couple years in the NBA, and they've been with the Nets. I think he should. I think it it's it's more so speaking on the coaching staff than it does to the actual player. And yeah, what what is any coach going to do with this roster? I mean, trade. <laughs> look look towards uh, like find a, a so common it's, voice. So it's the front office. Yeah. Yeah. So the the front office has has maybe maybe not themselves because you can say they were strong armed into it. For example, do you think Sean Marks really wanted to give DeAndre Jordan four years, forty million, or did he do it because Kyrie and KD took less money on their deals to allow you know just be they did that, but then they had that terrible deal on their books. They traded Jared Allen for James Harden. Now they're in dire need of a rim protector. You know, like it's just what they've been doing in Brooklyn. You could say what they've been allowing Kyrie and KD to do. You can say what Sean Marks has been doing. What, what, however it is you want to frame it, it's just like legitimate malpractice in terms of building a sustainably built contending basketball team. They failed to address several of the key factors you need to address, which are on-ball defense, off-ball defense. They've addressed neither. whoop de doo Ben Simmons was supposed to be both. Will Ben Simmons, Julia? Will he? <laughs> Will Ben Simmons? That's such a Will. I mean, Will Ben Simmons? Simmons. Uh, Will he? Thus far, no across the board. Play he no won't. shoot no make 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 shots no. But I do want to to rein this back in a little bit and get back onto a specific subject. Um, back to the Kyrie situation. I'm gonna uh, just kind of for those who don't know the specifics of the situation, Kyrie Irving. And the Brooklyn Nets will each donate. This is before the suspension. So this is just the suspension does not negate what I'm about to say, but it adds on to it. Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets will each donate $500,000 in the wake of Irving's controversial social media post about a book and movie that featured anti-Semitic tropes. And that donation will go to the Anti-Defamation League, an, organi- an organization aimed to fight discrimination, including anti-Semitism. 
Kyria said he opposes all forms of hatred and oppression and stands strong with communities that are marginalized and impacted every day. However, he has said things today in a press conference. I remember I was at work reading through this and I just like I was baffled. He started it off saying something along the lines of someone asked him, and I'm paraphrasing here, but if he understands that what he said has hurt people and he said, do you know who I was when I was a kid learning? And then he started speaking, uh, implying uh, the slavery era of the United States. And then as as the uh, press conference went on, he then went to say, I don't want to compare anyone's tragedies, even though he had at the beginning of that same press conference. So again, the, this whole situation is just entirely and legitimately a mess at this point. Um, If I'm, Steve Nash, I'm looking at this like this this is not the worst situation for me. Um, this is another uh, discussion I want to have is about Steve Nash in particular. Do you do you see him getting a head coaching job period or again soon? Because my opinion is that he is a good coach. He was just put, like you said, Will, um, in an impossible situation. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say really if he can succeed anywhere else like judging off of just his stint with Brooklyn which is basically impossible like you just said but I think that this guy has has his head on the right shoulders we talked to Jason Kidd before the game um, against the Mavericks and he said that he was one of his longtime friends one of the best competitors ever played against and more importantly in this situation a coach that really values you know the dignity of players and understands them in in the light of not being a coach but more of a player coach and, you know, that's kind of what he was at the end of the day. He wasn't playing on the floor, obviously, but a lot of players on the floor were acting as coaches, so it was kind of a mutual thing. But honestly, at the end of the day, Julie, I can't really tell if he's going to be a great coach because this assessment is just impossible. Like, exactly. <laughs> like playing with the Nets, I mean, coming in with the Nets and coaching them, not playing, my, my bad, excuse me, but <laughs> coaching the Nets, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's nothing I can really tell out of this right now just the fact that they just didn't know how to play defense. And I don't know if that was something that came from Steve Nash's lack of coaching ability or just the Nets' attitude towards him as not being a legitimate coach. No one makes it to the NBA that doesn't know how to play defense. It's it's guys guys clearly give up. The locker room gives up, and, and it shows on the court, right? If you want to talk about Udoka, uh, it's come out of Brooklyn that he's one of the few guys out there, and maybe the only guy out there that the Brooklyn front office trusts to actually be real with with Kyrie and KD he was in Brooklyn and he was honest with them coaching them whatever is how they spun it um and and basically that's kind of what you heard about Teron Liu with LeBron back in Cleveland oh Teron Liu will actually coach this guy up whatever I think that's their thinking I think that's their hope with Udoka I don't think when they uh, my theory is that they agreed to this deal with Udoka before the season started Nash was just you know a, a puppet to uh, kind of be a bridge gap between one drama to another and just hope the Udoka stuff could wear off and then they'd get him in. Um, basically, I, this Kyrie stuff seems to have catalyzed everything. I think they got Nash out. I think they just want to set their culture, uh, try to have any semblance of culture. It's a complete mess. Uh, I think, you know, you can ask questions like, oh, like will Kyrie, Katie be back? Like what? I, I think the the better question to ask, like once you're done talking about all this awful stuff that Kyrie has put out there, is given the expectations of this team when it was assembled when when they when they you know signed 
Irving, Duran, and Jordan, it was referred to by Woj as a clean sweep. And everyone was like, wow, like they really just took over the NBA. They have two top 10 players. Oh my God. Is this the biggest failure in professional sports in your guys' lifetime? Because I can't think of one bigger in mine. Like, I'm only 20, but like, I can't think of one bigger than that. Maybe the Lakers That's what I was with thinking. Kobe, Nash, Nash, uh, Odom, like the, the, the Odom? Dwight, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Dwight I, that's the only thing that comes to mind. I think you're completely right. Right, like yeah. it, my point is that team came to mind for me too, and, they and that had was no, it. no, not near the Nets expectations. And, and I don't. Think. They were older than the Nets were. Right, listen, exactly. listen, credited. I'm not talking about Nets fan bloggers that have like 200 followers on. I'm talking about like real NBA reporters that report on the Nets. Talked about last season, coming into the season with James Harden, with Kyrie Irving, with Kevin Durant. They were very confident. They said, listen, whatever happens, you have to have the expectations that uh, as high as possible because this is possibly the most talented NBA roster of all time on paper. And you look at this season, you look at last. What have they done? They've done nothing. Guess what? Is, what? Uh, there's there's nothing of significance has been won. Not, not a thing of significance has been won. All they have to their name is the argument that KD's toe was the reason they didn't maybe win the Eastern Conference Finals to maybe go, like, give me a break. It, they didn't win anything. If the guys are as good as everyone said they were when the Knicks missed out on them, then they need to have the expectations held to them that line up with that caliber of player, right? If Giannis went to the playoffs after getting a ring, chipping up, he went to the playoffs and got eliminated in the first round two years straight and couldn't score over 35 points in a game and, like, we would be like, hey, what's what's going on with Giannis? Is he a top five player? But Kevin Durant is seven feet tall and he can dribble nice, so he's just he's a lock for top three in the league. Because what is he good at, at making his teammates better? Because Luca, Steph, and and Giannis do that, and Jokic does that. Is he a good defender? Because Embiid is, Giannis is, right? Is he Kawhi is? Is he an elite scorer? Maybe he's a really great one, elite in the league nowadays. I think Devin Booker is an elite scorer. I think Luka Doncic is an elite scorer. Kevin Durant maybe is in my second tier. That's an amazing player. Is he top five in the NBA? Not for me. So it's like I I prefer guys that can play on both ends of the court, and the Nets don't have a lot of them. They have Ben Simmons. That that cannot be the case. Like just just the way I criticized the New York Knicks back. Remember that playoff run in 2021? I was like, if. If the reason you win or lose games is 33-year-old Derrick Rose, your team is not built for sustainable success. We need to do something after this season, right? I'm I'm not trying to like just like you know pile on the nets. I'm being as objective as I am with every team. And it's like if your team's defense and rebounding hinges on Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton, and you're saying that the perimeter defense might improve when Joe Harris gets back, it's just like we let's be honest. What are we doing here? This team isn't good. They're not good. Yeah, I mean. It, it becomes obvious that they thought that, you know, Kyrie, Katie, and at the time James Harden would just be able to outscore everyone, and that hasn't been the case. Uh, but your point about Kevin Durant is really interesting. I think that's the first time I've heard someone that I know has, you know, a lot of basketball knowledge rank him outside of the top five, but you make a good point. My opinion on that is kind of, you know, Kevin Durant has had a weird few years. He has his right-hand man, Kyrie Irving, hasn't been playing and in his Nets career, 111 games played, 128 games missed, just for reference. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to take what you see and what you see from Kevin Durant is not making his teammates better. It is important, I think, to include the fact that, 
he has had a, a weird time as far as who his teammates are. But I do agree with you in that sense. But um, well, isn't isn't that because he's the guy who wanted to trade for James Harden, so he sent half right. the team for it. It's like LeBron. Yeah. Like I don't feel bad that LeBron's on a super bad roster right now because he assembled it. He you know, you yeah. know, like Kevin Durant and Kyrie. I, I have to. I have to stay honest. I have to stay even and mm-hmm. and fair, and that means I have to make fun of them too. So yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Ime Adoka could, I mean, he's said to be hired. It hasn't happened yet, but it'll be interesting to see if he could turn it around. I mean, just some background. He was suspended by the Boston Celtics. Important note, not the NBA for an improper relationship with a subordinate before training camp. Boston is not requiring draft compensation from Brooklyn to hire Adoka, but there are discussions that are taking place before a deal can be finalized. And I mean, he led Boston to a finals last year and they, Boston's a really good team. I think, as far as the Nets PR goes, they never get a break. They don't sleep at night. This has been an awful, I'm assuming, season for them, and it's only going to get crazier when Ime uh, eventually gets hired. But, you know, before we move over to the Knicks, my last question is, what are the keys to the Nets to really turning the season around? <laughs> I mean, that's a loaded question. <laughs> but I think that if Ben Simmons can put in the minutes that, you know, he he can bring to the team. I mean, he's not a scorer. He's a good defensive player, good rebounder. I, I honestly, Julia, you just put me on the spot there. I don't know if there's anything they can do. Like yeah. it's, it, it's a, it's, it's a very doubtful kind of point of view on this, but I think that at this point it's Chris, Chris saying that, you know, <laughs> Kyrie may never play a game in the league. is like, I think that might be true. It's 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 pretty frightening, but Lakers plus one hundred, Nets plus one fifty, retire like plus three fifty. What do you think? <laughs> you know? Man, I I don't know, but if one thing's for sure certain, I think that KD's getting out of there. Either either if it's I, I'm not sure his contract obligations, but I think it might be midway through this year or when as soon as possible. Because nobody wants to play in a dysfunctional franchise like this, and especially bringing in Ime Adoka with all the clouds surrounding him. There's no, there's there's nothing here that's hopeful. So at the end of the day, you can't really say, oh, if this guy steps up to the plate and shoots well, and if he can rebound well and stuff like that, that's not really going to cut it at this point. This franchise, the Nets, in the last 10 years, I mean, they've been in Brooklyn and in the past three where they got this Kyrie KD kind of situation going, it's been nothing but a failure. So, you know, to rebuild from here, I think somebody else is going to have to come in and take the reins or they're going to have to completely rebuild. Chris? Uh, listen, you have two first-round picks that you got from the Ben Simmons trade. No nothing out there. I don't know what you could possibly do with that, with Joe Harris's contract, with the disgruntled Cam Thomas. I, I don't know what you can do with that to turn it into a, a contending team that's worth putting out on the court, that's worth investing in, that's worth... Uh, you know, they gave Kevin Durant a max. They didn't want to give Kyrie a max. That made Kevin Durant ask out. No one traded for Kevin Durant because the price was too high because he's not actually worth giving up your whole team for, even though he's Kevin Durant. Um, it doesn't matter because um, basically the package didn't get given up. It doesn't. It, it, no one was willing to pay it. No one ponied up, right? And so he's stuck. And they made this sentiment come out that, like, everything's okay and whatnot, but clearly it's not. So this is more than just, oh, they can make a trade and 
then the team will be better. Like th- this isn't 2K. Like everyone's morale is zero right now on 2K. <laughs> everyone's demanding out. All the you know you're getting texts from the player. Like, if this is 2K, you're getting fired. Like this is just, <laughs> uh, this is not going well. So for me, there's nothing that can be done to fix this team. What the Nets can do is abandon it. They can admit that they failed. They can trade Durant for the biggest haul that they can get, way less than they would have gotten this summer because the leverage is in the toilet. Um, but they, they'll they take it. Maybe they get Pascal Siakam and Malachi Flynn and a two first-round picks from the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and, and maybe that's they're just like, hoo-wee, oh, man, uh, okay. Or maybe uh, a team like the Houston Rockets offer them a bunch of young players and first-round picks. Whatever it is that happens, it would have to be something out of the blue. There's nothing that I can say right now. Oh, I think this will happen. I've got no idea. No idea. Um, they, they have a lot to do, and I, I don't even know where they should start besides ridding themselves of Kyrie, which they've been trying to do for like a week, and now they just had to officially suspend him because, you know. Yeah, um, it's really interesting to see that, you know, this is what Kevin Durant wanted to stick around for. Like, this is this has not been going well. Um, it, I honestly think that if they would have traded Kevin Durant over the summer, even for a lesson, um, even for something less than I forget what they were asking for, but it was a ridiculous amount of draft picks. Um, I think things would have looked better, better probably. The, the way they framed it was like two all stars and a whole bevy of draft yeah. picks. It was like they were never getting that, but that was like the asking price. Yeah. I think it's worth noting that since Kevin Durant left Golden State, um, he made his own team. Picked his own partner that wasn't Steph Curry, you know. And it's he, bad. He picked his own dance partner to to tango with in Brooklyn, <laughs> and had his own team with Kyrie. Got to assemble it the way he wanted. Get the teammates he wanted. Get his own media venture. Start the you know the boardroom. Uh, start all of all the ventures he wanted. Um, they break NBA law by having in the Barclays Center businesses that Katie and Kyrie own. So Katie and Kyrie are legally making a lot of money in the Nets facility because they're selling food from companies that they have ownership stakes in. That's just, if you look in the NBA CBA, that's just not allowed. They do it every year since they've gotten there. Um, They have every privilege in the world there in Brooklyn. And not only have they not won a thing, but they got swept in the first round of the playoffs by a team that went on to challenge and eventually lose to the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals without Kevin Durant. So I, I I don't know what else it's going to take for people to realize how vastly overrated he is as a player. I, I think he's very good. I don't think he's a great passer. I don't think he's a great defender. I don't think I don't think he's a great rebounder. I don't think there's a lot of aspects to basketball, and he's really good at scoring. And scoring is really fun to watch. So that you know him and Kyrie, two players that are kind of of that ilk. Even though Kevin Durant is generationally talented and generationally skilled especially for his size his movement his fluidity is nuts and it hasn't led to a single thing worth noting yeah i mean you make nothing but good points there i think if i'm the if i'm the brooklyn nets i am doing nothing but defensive drills for the next week uh offense will come their defense is just so pitiful that i don't even like do the players care to do defensive drills it's a good question will they do them that's i mean there's no control over that locker room right now um but your, everyone's guess is as good as mine on where the rest of the season's going to go for the Brooklyn Nets, but we are going to stabilize it, stabilize this conversation a little bit more over to the, the New York Knicks. 
They have lost their last game to the Hawks 112 to 99 to move to 3 and 4. Uh those losses came against the Grizzlies, Bucks, Cavs and the Hawks. They're on a three-game losing streak, and their next two games are against the Sixers and the Celtics, but I believe James Harden is out for a month, I think it is. Uh, so the Sixers just got a lot more beatable, but as I was doing this prep, I listed these as probable losses as well, but you never know. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you as the, the Knicks beat reporter. Where What do you make of these this three-game losing streak, and you know where do you go from here? Man, um, the thing with the Knicks is that Okay, he, let, let me let me drop like a twelve second analogy on you, right? If you're Can't playing wait. if you're playing chess with someone, okay, you're in a chess league. You play eighty two chess games a year. <laughs> All right, you see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chess playoffs, yada yada, and every single game, you take the exact amount of time, the exact same amount of time between every move, and every move you make is the exact same. And if it doesn't work. You go back to the drawing board, you watch the tape of your game, and you do the same thing the next game. And if it doesn't work, you do the same thing the next game. No matter who you're playing in chess, no matter what pieces you have, no matter what set of wooden pieces you have, you have nice chess pieces, cheaper ones, whatever it is, whatever it is you've got, you do the exact same game plan every single time. And so after a couple of years, people kind of catch on to this, right? And it gets get it gets pretty old pretty fast and you're just losing every time and you're trying the same thing over and over again it's the definition of insanity to re- expect a different result there this i hate to say is pretty much exactly what's been going on with the new york knicks and their rotations um no matter what has happened in a game no matter what disadvantages they've faced from an opposing offense or defense they were faced with a zone last night you think they made a single adjustment in terms of substitutions or do you think they went with the exact same substitution pattern they've gone with for every game before? Because I have a I have an answer, and it's it's the bad one. So, you know, Thibodeau is known for being stubborn to an extent that just sets a tone and sets a program, and he did that for the Knicks. They were an organization lacking organization, and he came in and gave them that, brought them to the playoffs as the fourth seed. They went out quick because they weren't built to actually succeed. They were just overachieving, as Thibodeau teams do. He's in year three. He's lost a fair amount of the locker room. A lot of guys aren't getting the minutes they used to, even though they've gotten better. (laughs) Um, It's very odd how he's choosing to run the team, given that nothing he's doing is leading to success, and he refuses to change it up. There's no, like, young players won't get a bigger chance because he has to give it to the veterans, because maybe this time they'll be better. It's just, it's, the Knicks fans are maddened, and I understand them, because it's the same game they watch every night. It's like putting on the same horror movie every night, and you know the main character. Like, don't turn the corner. Don't do it. No, don't go down that hallway. Why would you go in the shed with all the saws in it? Like, what? And they just do it over and over and over again. Walk to their certain demise. The New York Knicks up 23 points on their home court last night, and they blew it. They completely blew it. And guess what? It gets worse because Trey Young missed a significant portion of the second half because Randall threw a pass that was so bad his hand went flying into Trey's eye and bruised his bones around his eye. So with a left eye contusion, Trey sits and DeJounte Murray puts up 39 points on five three-pointers. The guy isn't even a good shooter. Five three-pointers in front of the guarding crowd like it was nothing. Cool as a cucumber, just putting up 40 points and 
nine assists, completely dominating on both ends because he wrecked the Knicks defensively. Tibbs said post game he cut off a reporter. He was like, "Oh, Dejounte's long. He's long." Like he, was, he got excited about like how good Murray was. He was obviously you know upset, but he was very into like Murray's impact. Um, the Knicks totally blew it, and they did it by putting in Obi Toppin, watching him have ten points in six minutes. And subbing him out for Julius Randle for no reason. Like, it's just, it's the same stuff over and over again. It's another loss. It's, I believe, the eighth loss in Thibodeau's last two years with the Knicks in which the Knicks led at some point by 15 or more and mm. ended up losing. Number eight. Yeah, that's not good. Um, I've said, I mean, I've been saying this on Pick and Pot, I think, for a calendar year at this point that I think Thibodeau should not be the coach of the, the New York Knicks. You've been very consistent here. I have been. I have been. I... I feel like a broken record at this point. I don't think he's a bad coach. He's just a bad coach for the New York Knicks. He, You can't excel a young roster with a coach who doesn't play young players. I can't believe I'm still here having to say that and here still here having to say that Thibodeau shouldn't be the, the coach of the Knicks because he should be fired. His rotation makes no sense, and it's blatantly like... When you look at these losses, objectively speaking, it is because of the rotation. And it's it's mind-blowing from someone who doesn't, like, who is not rooting for the Knicks. Like, I'm not a Knicks fan, and I'm upset for Knicks fans. Like, I'm frustrated for them. And the only thing I think fixes this is moving on from Thibodeau, but for some reason the front office is super, super consistent in their support for him. And until that's fixed, young players won't get better. And Julius Randle will continue to play when, like you said, Obi Toppin is excelling but won't play. And it, it it's so frustrating for me to watch. Yeah, I mean, Chris, you saying that before, um, Tom Thibodeau is just – you know, known for dropping those leads at the at the, uh, at the halftime of last year throughout most of the Knicks games when they were leading by 15-plus, I'd say to my guys, you know what, you want to make some free money? Bet on the other team. I mean, they're going to come back. I mean, they're going to have better second-half adjustments, claw their way back into the game and win. But nonetheless, um, you take this team, you look at how they're performing. They beat the Pistons, Magic, and Hornets all in a row. Pretty bad teams, right? And then they end up playing the Bucks, Cavaliers, who I think are very, very good and very underrated at the moment. But And then the Hawks last night. I mean, these are three good teams. You see them win three in a row and then lose three in a row because they're just simply not there. They're better than the bad teams, but worse than the good teams. So I can't exactly speak for you because you're an absolute Nick fanatic, but that's just how I think this is going to go, and I think this is going to be a learning curve for them, and I don't think that they're going to do anything significant in the playoffs this season. Um, I see you shaking your head I over wasn't there. expecting them coming okay, into the, I wasn't no, expecting okay. them to coming okay. into the year. I was right. expecting 500 basketball. And me too, and I think these last— That's a fair expectation to me if you look at this roster. Right. Like, I don't know. They, 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 they lost— oh, They lost 112-99 to 99 mm-hmm. to a team that they were once beating by 23. 23. So— for that to happen, you understand that like a forty-point swing had to go down. Can you run me through that real quick? That, that oh like, yeah, because you were there. They came so out, so they I came, didn't get to watch the, the starting. The starting lineup came out in the second half and looked like they had never played basketball before. And that was about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tibbs left them in. He was like, "All right, we're gonna ride the guys. You know, they're they're the best players on the team. You know, whatever." And that that was it. Um, Randall Fournier two-man game wasn't working. Brunson was turning the ball over. Barrett turned the ball over twice. The Knicks had 16 turnovers as a team yesterday. I believe Atlanta only had seven. 
Uh, and every single time the Knicks had a turnover, DeJounte Murray was down the other end dunking it. So they not only were the Hawks great at forcing turnovers, they were great at taking advantage of the silly ones the Knicks committed and then capitalizing on them and turning them into two points, which is just like you can't win a basketball game if you, you know, like you're trying to win the battle of possessions, right? You want to have the ball more than the other team. You're trying to stop them from being able to even take a shot. The Knicks weren't taking shots themselves. They were letting the Hawks win that battle. Uh, it's hard to win a game when you don't even get to shoot the ball because you're turning the ball over on your second pass of the possession. It hasn't even made it into the post yet. It hasn't even made it to the corner yet. It's just stolen because DeJounte Murray's combination of length and instincts was it was way too easy for him. I'm not even trying to say like, oh, he had this all-time great defensive performance where he really just snuffed out those passing lanes. Like, no, they were gifting them to him on a silver platter. It was just a matter of was he going to pick up the ball and go dunk it? I'm pretty sure DeJounte Murray is capable of that. Like, it was a very sloppy play from the Knicks. Thibodeau said that. And you know what else he said that I thought was pretty interesting um, and a little, I don't know, bitter? Uh, he kind of just straight up blamed the players. And he was like, well, when they did commit the turnovers, they didn't get back on defense. They just kind of gave up on the play. So I can't really do anything there. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like if you're like a boss, if you're like the people that work for you mess up, you at least you say something like, like as a head coach, you say something to like cover you. You're like, oh, that, that was on me because I should have been taking, you know, paying closer attention to what they were doing. He was like, no, no, it was totally their fault. I couldn't do anything. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, I have one more question for you guys, and I think this is a perfect way to end this because I think the Knicks and the Nets are both in very different situations, but when you think about what their goal is at the end of the season, there are some similarities. So my final question to you guys, and we'll start with Chris and then go to Will, who has, I mean, plainly put, who has the better season, the Nets or the Knicks? The Knicks at least have a semblance of a basketball team. It's not a great one, but they have a point guard. They have a wing. They have a bruising forward. They have a center. They have a shooter. They've got young, exciting players that can pass the rock and shoot it. They're at least built like a basketball team. The Nets, I, I can't say as much for them. And so, you know, if you want to say better in terms of record, uh, if the Knicks are the underdog, I'll take them, uh, but you know you would have to assume the Nets eke out a couple more wins. For me, though, like better is a relative term, and I would say the Knicks will have the better season because if the Knicks have a four out of ten season that derails their rebuild, it will have been a better season than what the Nets are going through this year. And I think the Knicks will have like a six out of ten season, six point one, you know, whatever. The Nets are failing to operate like an NBA franchise. They finally stepped up and suspended Kyrie several days too late tonight um but that that's not something they should get a medal for so i uh, you know better is if, if it's a relative term give me the next if it's not and we're just talking wins and losses mm -hmm. I, I i'm going to bet on brooklyn's talent i guess because you know some they, if they trade for someone no one's going to go ring chase there but some they trade for someone unless they have a no trade clause they can't say no so repeat the question one more time who has a better season the nets or the knicks <clears throat> the Knicks. That's all. All right, all right. I'll I'll finish this up and I'll say it's hard to say, but numbers wise, I think the Nets' talent, as long as Kyrie Irving is playing, which is a big if, because they said baseline five. Kyrie Irving's on the court in five games. The Nets are going to have the better season. If Kyrie Irving doesn't play another game this season, the Knicks are going to have a better season. But with that being said, we're going to wrap it up here. 
it's been a great talk, a chaotic talk, but I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Will. I'm Julia Moss. I hope everyone listening has a great day, a great week. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports. Thank you.